I've been up since the crack of dawn cleaning big house. My name is Agnes and I'm a junior maid in the house at the top of the hill. My tasks are many and varied. I start the day early with cleaning lots of different parts of the house, dusting, sweeping, polishing and things like that. I clear out the fireplaces which is especially grubby work. But I would have to say that the stinkiest work is after the family wakes up and goes into breakfast. This is when I have to go into each room and empty and clean the chamber pots. Our chamber pots in the big house are very fine porcelain, which is really silly considering that's where the master and mistress do their poos and wees during the night. I have to empty the contents of each chamber pot into the slops bucket, clean the pot with fresh water and empty the slops bucket outside. I do this again in the evening when the family are at dinner and perhaps even throughout the day if we have visitors. I've heard of a new invention some of the grander houses use. They're terribly unreliable, but apparently they wash away everything with water at the pull of a chain, so there's nothing left for me to clear out. Oh, that would be bliss. Welcome to Idea Evolution with Melanie and Rachel. Today we are going to talk about something you use every single day of your life, likely more than once. Today we are going to talk about the humble toilet. What do you call the toilet? Dunny, laboratory, crapper, loo, ladies, jets, restroom, latrine, water closet, the john, the can, washroom, throne, thunderbox, powder room, twinkle palace. All these phrases and a few more would be right. Toilets have come a long way in innovation but at the same time, stayed the same. How confusing is that? Let me explain. In Scotland, about 5,000 years ago, there is evidence that people started using the very first toilet and sewerage systems. It was basically a hole in a stone seat that drained down to a channel and went somewhere else. Around the same time, historians believe a very similar toilet system was being used in India. The fact that this technology, toilet technology, has showed up in two different locations at roughly the same time is incredible. They didn't have aeroplanes, or boats, or telephones like we do now. It was a heck of a lot harder to travel. So having such similar and sophisticated toilet systems in two very different places is amazing. All this happened a long, long time ago. Not as far back as dinosaurs, but kind of close. So you might be forgiven for thinking that if society has been innovating toilets for over 5,000 years, a lot of things would have changed. Well, they haven't. You see, things fell apart as the Roman Empire crumbled. In fact, there was a time there when society kind of went backwards. People were pooing in pots and throwing them out the windows on unsuspecting passers-by. There weren't any fancy channels to mysteriously take the poo and wee away. Nope, out the window it went. Do not try this at home. Let me introduce you to Sir John Harrington. Sir John was not your typical inventor. He was a poet, an author, a translator, and the Queen's godson. He was also considered a wit by his society, which meant he was very cheeky, said inappropriate things, and was constantly getting into trouble and being kicked out of court. So... In 1596, Sir John found himself in disgrace with the Queen 
and wasn't allowed to attend court. He took himself out to his country estate and putted around. We would likely call it tinkering nowadays. But what he did with himself started society back on the journey that commenced 5,000 years ago. What he invented would become the foundation of the toilet you use today. The Queen loved it. She got one of them installed in the royal palace. Sir John was forgiven for his naughty talk. For now. And the world advanced. Well, no, actually, no, it didn't. No one really cared about what was then called the jacks or the privy. You see, it wasn't until about 200 years ago, really not that long ago, people were still pooping in chamber pots and still chucking it out on the street for unsuspecting pedestrians. Thankfully, along came a brilliant watchmaker and inventor. Alexander Cummings was incredibly well known in the English world for his watchmaking, organ designing and general measurement of things. Honestly, no one seems to have any idea what inspired Alexander Cummings to turn his mind to the toilet, but thankfully he did. His major contribution, the S-bend in the outflow pipe, could be heralded as the turning point, get it, turning point, in the advancement of toilets. You see, the humble and simple S-bend allowed the smells to stay out of the house. This was so very important in an age when it was strongly believed that miasmas, that is smells, are what could kill you. (gasps) We know much better now, but once upon a time, people were dying by the thousands because of what they believed was a really bad smell. It was during the 1700s that the toilets became truly popular, and perhaps the first plumbers were born. By 1848, the UK government passed a law called the Public Health Act, which made it mandatory for every new house to have a water closet, privy or ash pit furnished with proper doors and coverings. This was the year that over 55,000 people died of cholera, a disease that many strongly believed was caused by bad smells. And what could possibly smell worse than poo and wee? Let's get those privies in here so we aren't throwing poo and wee out the window anymore. And the plumbing industry took off. Thankfully, people eventually realised it wasn't bad smells that were making them sick, but contaminated water. When poo and water mix, you should not drink this. And that's kind of what people were doing. The final important piece of the whole toilet system was getting poo and wee to go somewhere else. Somewhere safe. Eventually, the smart people of England realised that those incredible drainage systems from 5,000 years ago, where they take the poo and wee and flush it far away, is actually a great idea and will help make city living so much healthier. And it did. With the help of a civil engineer by the name of Joseph Basilgate, England became much less of an open sewer and the rest of the world took notice. Now all the wastewater from your house, from the toilet Sinks, baths, showers or washing machines are called sewerage and are all linked up into sewerage pipes. Your home's sewerage pipes join up with other people's sewerage pipes until they all combine into really massive ones. So big you could actually drive a bus through them. These then go into the sewerage treatment plants where they are treated with chemicals and bacteria to make them safe and then flushed out into the oceans or waters. 
wonder, what would toilets be like if we never stop innovating? This has been the story of the Western Flush Toilet. And these toilets are not perfect. In fact, we could claim that the modest chamber pot was slightly more environmentally friendly. It definitely used a lot less water. Water remains a very serious issue in all societies all over the world. In the early 1980s, an Australian by the name of Bruce Thompson was working in Adelaide at Coroma, a leading toilet manufacturing company. As is usual for Australia, we were in drought. In those early days, a single flush would use 11 litres of water. Ask your parents how much milk they buy each week. I bet it's nowhere near 11 litres. So, to cut back on the water usage of each flush, people would commonly place a brick in the cistern. That's the top of the toilet where the fresh water sits. But Bruce came up with a better idea. He invented the half-flush option, but it wasn't that easy. It required an entire redesign of the toilet bowl, and Coroma have worked to further decrease the water consumption of the toilet flush. But more needs to be done to save our precious water. How many times does your toilet get flushed each day? How much water is your house using just on toilet flushes? There are alternate toilets available that use nowhere near the same amount of water. Toilets like squat pans, which are common in Asia. There's composting waterless toilets, long drop toilets, chemical toilets, or vacuum toilets. Like on airplanes, not your vacuum at home. But none of these to date have been able to shift Western society's attachment to the flush toilet or the epic sewerage systems the cities are planned around. As far as we're concerned, human waste should be out of sight and out of mind. And perhaps that's what's slowing down innovation in this space. Currently, toilet technologies are focused on convenience, comfort and design, rather than sustainability, one researcher points out. So, let's consider the waste itself. The poo and wee, I mean, also known as excrement. Really, the whole reason we have toilets in the first place. Doing poos and wees is just a natural part of being human. It's a normal biological process. Everyone does it. But I bet most people just flush and forget. The minute it's out of our bodies and flushed down the toilet, we don't think about it again. This is such a wasted resource. What we do with our excrement is a big issue. It's very important that the poo and wee is moved away from our homes and where we live and play. If we didn't have some sort of system in place to deal with it, then our excrement would make us sick. Very, very sick. Maybe even kill us. But it's got to go somewhere. It's important that we think about the entire life cycle of our excrement. It does currently go into sewage treatment plants to be treated and then safely released into our water supply. But what if we could do more with it? What if our excrement could help solve some of society's problems? There are already projects out there that are looking into this. There are poo-powered buses in the UK. There are towns which are using the sewerage to generate their own electricity. And there's a house in Spain entirely powered by human and animal poo. China even has an entire island 
that is processing some of the excrement and creating enough poo power to run 400 electric vehicles. Can you imagine what it would be like if, instead of flushing your poo and wee down the toilet, it could be used to power your house for the day? And then there is the toilet paper. The development of toilet paper through history can be an entirely different episode in and of itself. But to make the toilet paper most of Western society knows, it involves the cutting down of thousands of trees. Worldwide, it is estimated that almost 27,000 trees are needed every day to make toilet paper. That's a lot of trees being flushed down the toilet. Why don't you try counting how many trees are on your street? I'm thinking they won't be anywhere near the 27,000 trees needed every day to make toilet paper. And there is a lot of energy and water that goes into the making of each roll. If you are using a toilet roll which doesn't contain any recycled paper, then you've just used 140 litres of water. And if your paper is super white, then chlorine has been used which adds to the contamination of our water systems. And let's not forget the wrapping. If it's wrapped in plastic, as most toilet rolls are, then there is a further impact to the environment. I have a challenge for you this week. How about you count just how many rolls of toilet paper your family go through in seven days? Count them up and let us know your family's toilet roll number. If you like, you can hit pause now and talk about how you would improve toilet technology or how you could lessen your impact on the environment. So, what did you come up with? There are so many little things. Perhaps the easiest would be to make a point of only using the half flush whenever possible. Save the amount of water that is being just flushed away. You can also address the toilet paper you use. Is it from 100% recycled paper so no trees were cut down to make it? Is it free from harmful chemicals? Living sustainably does not have to mean a massive change in the way you live. The best way to help the environment is to make little changes. And over time, lots of little changes will make a big difference. Toilet technology still needs innovators and great thinkers to come up with even better ideas for the future. So, what's your big idea? How would you make the toilets of the future even better? What little changes can you and your family make to lessen the impact of your toilet use on our environment? We'd love to hear your ideas about toilet innovation. Head to our website, www.ideaevolution.com.au, where you can catch up on the rest of our episodes in our home innovation season. Leave a comment on the page for this episode or start a conversation on Facebook or Instagram using hashtag IdeaEvolution. This episode was inspired by the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals numbers 6 and 11. It was researched, written and edited by me, Melanie DeJoya. Idea Evolution was created and narrated by Rachel Britliff and myself. Extra voices came from my kids, the Ballot Girls, and Ashley Brinson. Music was sourced by me from Audio Jungle, YouTube, Poddington Bear, and Free Music Archive. 
More details are in our show notes and there are a bunch of fun activities inspired by this episode on our website, www.ideaevolution.com.au. Until next time, remember, never stop innovating. The Climactic Collective. This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in Narm, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch, head to hearmedia.studio. That's H E R E media.studio.